that time of year. Everyone's favorite time of year to log on, to post, to argue, to debate, okay. to scout, to evaluate, and to think about the future. That's right, it's draft season, baby. It is draft 2023, presented by Choctaw. Welcome to Studio 41. Present my chime, I am Bobby Corella. He is Isaac Harris. Isaac, you've been talking about the draft for like six months now on Locked on Mavs, so I'm sure you're ready to get rolling here. You know, when your team gets... Um... Or when your team, I was going to say get put, gets put out, but they didn't even get put out. Um, when your team Voluntarily steps out. Yes, when your team does not make anything, you have a lot of time. I'm so intrigued to hear from you. You went and scouted for the Dallas Mavericks. So if they, if they draft a player, we know that you're the reason why they drafted that player. Yeah, I was there in Chicago at the Combine. Nico was there. All of the scouts, all of the talent evaluators, all of the big dogs were there. And I was also there a couple sections over, you know, <laughs> but uh, still decked out in Mavs gear. So everyone knew who I was repping out there at the Combine. We'll dive into all of that and more, but here's kind of a summary of what we're going to talk about today. So like we just said, I was at the Combine and Isaac really has been talking about the draft for a very long time now mm -hmm. on Locked On. And so we both got a lot of takes, um, me with the eyes and the stats, of course, Isaac, has been talking about it, and, and if you've been listening to Lockdown, y'all have been doing some player profiles for guys that could be there around 10. So we're going to dive into plenty of those players and get Isaac's takes on them. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about, too, the Mavs might not even use the pick, uh, depending on reports. And so we're going to talk about the pros and the cons of, of both options because it is a really, really big decision uh, at this juncture as a team for the Mavs. And then finally, we're going to hit up some playoff takeaways because – you can draw some lessons from every single playoff. And uh, this year is no exception. And some of them might be a little different than you might expect. Ooh. So you should just listen to this whole <laughs> show uh, on one time speed or even 0.5 times speed. How Do you listen to pods faster or slower or what do you do? Normal speed. Normal? Am I crazy? I feel like I'm in the minority now. I listen on 1.2 and sometimes I have to listen like... On uh, one of my work computers, we can't use the Spotify app. You can only listen uh, on the browser, and the browser does not let you speed up or slow down. So I have to listen to one time, and it just feels like a drag. <laughs> but I think that like it's because I'm addicted to sugar. I feel like you're normal, and I'm the weirdo. I mean, I, I have gotten have gotten into coffee over the past two years. Nice. So big step for me. I know it's yeah. uh, it's be proud, but. Yeah, it doesn't make me listen at like two times speed. Mm. No, I need I need that information. I'm all about Give efficiency. It Give it to me. But Come on. Also, want to chill and just listen to a conversation. No, I need you to to tie up my elbow and <laughs> yank the thing and just give me those takes. Okay, let's get into the combine. So, I was there in Chicago. Can you tell uh, us what it's like? I've never been, and if somebody's listening to this and they're saying, like, what is like how how do you how do you experience the combine off like what we see on NBA TV? So the thing about the combine, uh, as I learned, is that it is much different than watching it on NBA TV. <laughs> if you watch it on NBA TV, it's always action-packed, right? The camera's always on the guy that's doing the thing. But if you're there, the entire thing takes place in one gym on one court. It's not like you got you know three or four different locations or anything. Um, a basketball court is not as big as a football field, so there's not a lot of room for guys to be doing multiple drills. There's pretty much like one or two things happening at any given time. Um, and it really feels like the actual event is made more for like teams than for content mm. because there's not like an announcer. There's not a lot of information being distributed. Hmm. So it's pretty much upon you, in this case, me and, and the Mavs content team, we're trying to get some, you know, some B-roll of guys and stuff for our draft show, which will be happening. More information on that in the coming weeks um, to just kind of, hey, that is Grady Dick over there. Go, like, follow him. Or, like, oh, Zach Eady is doing something. Or, wow, Cam Whitmore just came on the court. But, like, there's no, like, grand announcements or anything and not a lot of information. And so uh, it really feels like it's more for the real hardcore um, – whether it's like talent evaluators, analytics guys, GMs, to go there, sit in the crowd. You got all 30 teams sending their entire group, even like Miami, Boston, teams that are still in the playoffs have their guys out there. Um, huge contingents. And they're all just mixing it up, man. They're all just talking. I'm sure they're cooking mm. up 
Um, not free agency deals or trades. You can't talk about those right now. But I'm sure they're talking about talking about them. You know, <laughs> making future plans to have conversations. Could you like mess with people and like you walk up to like another team like, hey, let's talk a trade. I feel like I do have generic, like, low-level staffer guy appearance, you know, just <laughs> yeah. sort of, like, pale, skinny white dude uh, wearing team-issued gear. <laughs> I, I should try that next year. Start a whole rumor. Get yeah. it out there. <laughs> yeah, I should. Just, like, go up to Woj, be like, Woj, you're not going to believe Mavs this. Mavs team source tells us that, yeah. and it was Bobby at the combine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it is, so it, it is kind of, like, if you watch it on TV, it's almost like better because you have commentation and you have like, you know, or commentary, not commentation. I got it. Uh, yeah. And you have a lot more information as a viewer, which I feel like the NBA, uh, it's a big opportunity to um, maybe tweak it and make changes, make it more like content friendly and more fan friendly too, because fans are not allowed at the combine. Mm-hmm. It is really just like a team thing. Um, but actually being there is really interesting because despite kind of it just being like a smorgasbord of information, like sensory overload, because you got like all 80 guys on the court at the same time, um, you can see all of these players next to each other. And you can really get an idea of like, what does, for example, Taylor Hendricks, 6'8", 210, what does that actually look like mm. next to... Zach uh, Eady. Yeah, next <laughs> to Zach Eady, yeah. <laughs> or next to like Mike Miles, who was the shortest player there. Uh, you really get an idea of like comparative size, um, comparative athleticism because you see, like, for example, uh, Jarris Walker and Kaysen Wallace were doing their drills together at the same time. Mm. So, like, you see a big guy and then you see a guard. Or you see, like, uh, Cam Whitmore and Anthony Black do their drills back-to-back. So, like, you really get an idea to, like, see these guys next to each other um, and compare their times, compare their verts and all that stuff. And you see it in person, which I feel like is really good. Um, but kind of the, the best part about it is just gathering intel you know i'm not like tim cato i'm not on the scene trying to do some reporting and investigating and stuff but i still talk to some of the people and, and matt riccardi who's the mavs director of uh senior director of pro personnel was there and uh, he was gracious enough to do an interview with us which is on our youtube channel uh youtube.com slash mavericks um and he kind of reinforced like what nico harrison had been saying about what qualities and what traits the mavs are looking for uh he said um Size at position, so rephrasing positional size, um, high-level defenders, guys who can knock down open shots, and who play with a high IQ. Now, Mm. I'm sure every other talent evaluator is saying the same things, but there are some things that were notably missing from what he said, like playmaking, um, skill. Like knocking down open shots is different than ability to create shots. Yeah, you know, So it really feels like if you're talking about a prospect or a trade target or a free agency target, We've heard Nico Harrison say it and Matt Riccardi echoed it. That's going to inform uh, whether that guy is a good fit with the Mavs. Can they defend, especially in a versatile way? Uh, can they knock down open shots? And are they big? Not just big generally, but like, are they big for a point guard? Are they yeah. big for a small forward? Are they big for a five? And it's, you know, I'll, I'll look at that not just for the guard's sake, but like for the big sake too of, hey, if – if whatever big they, they want to bring in at some point, they want them to shoot, you know, as far as like looking in the draft so that you can kind of look at some of the bigger prospects, which there's not a ton, you know, if you look at some mocks in the top 20, um, there's probably, you know, one or two in there. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting what Riccardi said. Do you think if the Mavs are for the 25th year in a row looking to upgrade at five, <laughs> um, are you sorting by three point percentage? Are you sorting by blocks per game? Are you looking for, um, this isn't really a metric, but like versatility, switchability? Like what, what kind of are you looking for if they, if they do try to upgrade at big? In any way of upgrading In or like way, yeah. draft? Um, how about both? Ooh. Um, I think for draft, you're looking at switchability. I think you, you need a guy who can switch out on the perimeter. You need a guy who can, you know, Kind of, you know, we've been a little spoiled with Maxi bringing him in as an undrafted guy, but somebody that can defend the rim but also switch at the same time, um, which is what you know a healthy Maxi can do. We've seen, but I think it's a switchability. It's the you know they do need somebody that can get some rebounds down low. So I just expect them this summer. I'm fully going into this summer expecting a a bigger investment into the the five man spot, whatever that looks like, whether it's a high draft pick or whether it's a we're going to 
spend more money on a player that we have in a while. They've kind of taken this like bullpen approach to the big man spot. And I know they traded the 26 overall pick last year for Christian Wood. They took a <clears throat> swing on him. They've had Dwight Powell. They've had these guys, JaVale McGee at, you know, five, $6 million. So they've kind of like mixed and matched the big man spot. I'm expecting going into training camp this year that there is no mix and matching. There is no question of like, who's going to start. It's, oh, well, they made that investment into that guy. He's our defined starting big man. And if you look at the draft, there's really only like a couple true like fives. Yeah. Right. Victor Wimbanyama, who will <clears throat> probably be off the board. He could 10. fall. He could. Um, and then Derek Lively, who is like going mocked in like the 20s. You yeah. Know? Uh, there's really not, there's really no like true fives that I'll are say in that range. Rafael Barlow, who's great, great guy covering the draft, NBA, you know, big board, took it over from Chad Ford. Um, he he is all in on Derek Lively, and he went to his pro day in California the other day, and he was raving about his shot, which I know it's pro day, but that's one of the things with Lively is can can his shot? He didn't shoot a lot at Duke, but you know some people are like, hey, he he's got it. He just didn't use it at Duke a lot, but he came out of that talking about man, Lively's out here like knocking down shots and threes and stuff. So Yeah, see, that's one thing from a, a team content perspective that I'm very envious of. Yeah. Is that teams aren't really, like, allowed to go to these pro days. And that's, like, the good stuff, right? Yeah. Because I, going back to the combine, you know, Anthony Black did the max vert, but he didn't play in five-on-five. Five, mm. You know, and so many, like, the Thompson Twins didn't do anything. And so, you know, these pro days is, like, where the good stuff is. And if you look at, like, college pro days, like the UT football pro day, mm. You got like hundreds and hundreds of people there and you got 50 cameras on these guys. It's like a huge thing. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's a big content opportunity for fans and for teams uh, that, that we just kind of miss out on. But it is good that, you know, Raphael's able to get in there. Yeah. Dallas's own, right? Yeah. That's right. Let's go. Mavs games all the time. I joked with him. He travels the world and goes to, I mean, he goes to Europe all the time and goes a bunch of, you know, seeing prospects and stuff and we talk about it at Mavs games. And then the other day he posted a picture of like, uh, it was uh, the Euro final four something. And uh, I was like, man, look at you traveling the world. And he's like, well, I'm actually in Plano right now, but I'm like, <laughs> all right, well take it all back. He just what took a we? screenshot. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, you do travel the world though. You should have uh, lied, man. Stick with the bit. Know, yeah. I'm, I'm like, in Belgrade right now. It's awesome. Yeah, like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for the Mavs to upgrade at big in the draft, um, 10 is kind of like a weird spot. If you're looking for a wing, hey, there might be some wings on the board at 10. We'll talk yeah. about some of those guys in a minute. But uh, reports have already come out that the Mavs might even be interested in trading the pick. Now, of course, every team always wants to trade up, trade down, and trade out completely. Like, this is nothing new. Uh, but we have seen the Mavs trade first-round picks for players in the very recent past. Just last year, they did it with Christian Wood, um, like you said. And then they traded into the draft later on to get Jaden Hardy. So nothing is, like, super set in stone. Um, but of course, fans are already talking about it. Y'all have already talked about it on your pod everywhere. People are people are just won't shut up about this tenth pick, it, man. It's, it's the argument now. For, yeah. yeah, are the Mavs going to keep it or are they going to trade it? And there's pros and cons to both. Um, so Isaac, just generally, where do you stand before we dive into the nitty gritty here? Where do you stand on that debate? Yeah, I think they should trade it, but with the caveat of I'm not meaning I don't think they have to trade completely out of the draft. I think. Dallas has multiple holes that they have to fill this summer. And so Wait, you, what are they? What are you trying to well, do? Well, I think you, you got to make their bigger investment in the five spot. You got to get another wing in here. Um, can Jaden Hardy be a third ball handler off the bench? I, I mean, I would say we need two more wings in here. So I, I just think there's like three, maybe four spots that you kind of got to look at and either say upgrade or you need more guys at. So for me, it's like, all right, well, then you got to rank your assets that you have, that you can do that, whether it's, you know, free agency, it's draft, it's trades. And it's like, you're looking at the 10th pick. You're looking at the a future 2027 pick. Um, you're looking at some of the younger guys on the roster and saying, all right, well, these are like our most like coveted assets that we probably have. There's some, you know, contracts, bigger contracts you can match salaries with and all that. But for Dallas, I think because you have so many holes that you have to, fix or improve on this summer, I think I would be looking at the 10th spot and saying, it's such a wide variety of players through there that I would be looking at very, very hard of saying, is there a team behind us? Which 
I get it. Because it's a wide variety of players to there, there might not be a team that's like dying to move up. They're like, hey, what's kind of like, like like our spot? I think in an ideal perfect world, if you can move back and pick up a guaranteed rotation, you know, guy, a veteran from another team and still add a young guy to this team, I think that's the and I get it. it it's better said, you know, easier said than done on paper. That sounds really good. But I just think you you are in win now mode. Like you want to win not just for your franchise, but for Luca. And you got to get back to the playoffs. You want to go into the training camp telling Luka Doncic, hey, last year was just a blip in the radar. We're going to be back there. We're going to make another run this year. Can you do that by, by looking at him and saying, hey, we added another 18-year-old to the rotation, and he's going to be our sixth man? Like, can you use the 10th pick and add a vet, but also add a young guy at the same time? And I'm sure, you know, some of that might depend on whether they keep it or not, it's going to come down to when they're on the clock, right? Because yeah. there's probably three or four players that they think could be available at 10 that they love. That they're like, if that guy's there, we're taking him. How realistic is it that that guy will be there? Who knows? Yeah. And so that's why, you know, there's no point in like, calling up uh, Team X right now and saying, hey, let's do that deal. You yeah. know, like, let's, let's, let's knock it out. Uh, you want to evaluate your options. Because cause if you go by off what Riccardi told you guys, <clears throat> and you look at a lot of the mock drafts, and you look at a lot of mocks have those top three guys in the top three. So then you're looking at that four through nine before Dallas. And it's like, let's just say the Thompson twins who are mocked a lot, you know, are, are in that four or five, six range. Based off what Riccardi is saying that they're looking for, there's a group of guys there that's like four dudes that fit a lot of what he's saying. So it's like if you're sitting at the 10 spot and is a team six or like five through nine, will they, you know, will a team reach for a guy? And then all of a sudden, one of those four dudes who fits a lot of what Riccardi's saying is there at 10. That's where what you're saying is like kind of wait it out and see if. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, it's at, you're at a really interesting spot, right? Like, some people say the draft starts at three. Some people mm -hmm. say the draft starts at four. I might say the draft might start at ten. You know, <laughs> depending. But Indiana at seven, we know. You know, Rick Carlisle loves his rookies, and so maybe uh, Indiana yeah. might try to do something. So there's a there's a whole lot of stuff that's unknown. Um, so right now it's all just information gathering. But um, I have one con, one like mid pro, and one big pro. You're so, keeping you're so the pick. mid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of keeping the pick. And then I got one of each for trading the pick. Okay. So I want to say them and get your take. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to list these things off. If I missed anything super obvious, um, if you have anything to add, I'll, or yeah, if you I'll wanna, yell at you. If you want to tell me I'm dumb, or if you want to, if you just want to like lavish me with praise, hey, I'm can, down. Can you answer one question before you say, did you do Pokemon Go at the combine? Yes. So it's like Taylor Hendricks is getting a workout in and you're over there in the corner like, hey, I just caught Onyx. <laughs> Maybe the what? Thompson twins did all of the drills. But <laughs> I, I was just catching. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Just, just... You know, it's a big event right now. Uh, I got to do these five-star raids. Uh, okay. So one con of keeping, the, of, of staying at 10. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> is if you are looking for a franchise changer, mm. like a, you're looking for like a mega stud. You think the Mavs don't just need more rotation players they need a bona fide all-star caliber player 10 is kind of historically a little too low so if you look at the last 25 guys taken at number 10 here are the players that in in no particular order had the best careers okay and then these guys have something in common had the fact some that of them some, are active <laughs> the fact that some of them yeah are uh some of them are active okay or, uh, but uh think about what all these guys have in common okay, okay? Um, so Paul Pierce, Jason Terry, Joe Johnson, Karan Butler, Brooke Lopez, Paul George, CJ McCollum, Mikhail Bridges. They, some, those guys have many things in common. For example, Karan Butler and Mikhail Bridges, their last name both starts with B, but I'm looking for something a little mm. more tangible than that. Uh, sorry. I thought you said past 10 years while ago. Oh, no, 25. And I was like, the fact that some of these guys, have <laughs> yeah. there are some that <laughs> are, are, yeah, are past tense. Uh, no, tell me um, what do you think? So all of those players, that's eight guys. All of them were at least 20 years old on draft night. All of them were multi-year college players. Hmm. And that's even going back to the 90s whenever high schoolers were making the leap directly, you know. And so generally, um, 
there are some guys that I left out that were freshmen that <laughs> like Justice Winslow, for example, he's had a pretty good career, but you know, I wouldn't say he's as impactful as a guy like McCollum or, or Bridges. Um, generally the best players at number 10 that have gone in to make all-star teams or all defense or, you know, be really, really big time players on good teams were upperclassmen. Um, your best freshmen, your best 18 year olds, 19 year olds are going to go in the top five. Um, the ones that maybe didn't do as well, for example, you know, Cam Reddish, very good career, projects to be mm -hmm. a very long-time high-level rotation player. That uh, helped Atlanta win the trade. Yeah. Uh, Austin Rivers, same thing. Long-time rotation player, high-level contributor, and all that stuff. But those guys both came out as freshmen um, that were super high-rated high school prospects, but that didn't make yep. it into the top five. Uh, and so at 10, generally... You're either going to Jalen, uh, uh, Jalen Smith, Zach Collins, same thing. Both yeah. guys were young. Jalen Smith, multi-year college player, to be fair. But you're either taking a guy that was once like a super highly heralded prospect that didn't maybe perform up to par uh, as a freshman, or you're taking an upperclassman guy. Um, so that could, uh, you know, you can project that onto different guys in this draft. Only one Hall of Famer taken at number 10 in the last 50 drafts. God. Yeah, and that's Paul Pierce. Uh, the previous one, Paul Westfall, 1973. So if you're looking for a Hall of Famer at number 10, you're out of luck. Paul George might make the Hall of Fame, so maybe that'll be two. That'll be a banner. Yeah, so that is one con. Like, of course, this could be the draft where a Hall of Famer, you know. But generally speaking, you're looking for a high-end rotation player. Yeah. Okay, and that's one pro of keeping. Jalen Smith, Cam Reddish, Zach Collins, Justice Winslow, Austin Rivers. These guys have all been drafted, like, in the last 10, 12 years. All have had really good careers. I mean, Cam Reddish and Jalen Smith, gosh, they're like 22, so it's not like their career is over, um, but not maybe the splash of guys that were taken in the top five yeah. in those drafts. Um, and then the biggest pro of keeping, like for you, for example, you just want rotation guys. You want a wing. Mm -hmm. Okay, You're not looking for an all-star. The biggest pro of keeping, though, um, if you're a lawyer and you're a nerd and you're into the next CBA, you know like every dollar counts quite a bit. If you stay at 10, you are getting a guy that's locked into a four-year contract that's going to be coming a little below four years, $20 million, and you're going to have restricted free agency rights on the other side of that. And so sometimes using your pick, sure, potential, sure, day one contributor, potential all-star, whatever is great, but you're getting a guy that you know you can lock in at a low number, lower than, say, a free agent. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you look at, I think one of the, the pros of keeping is you look at, you know, obviously Utah didn't, you know, finish in the playoffs or anything but they have walker kessler under contract now you know at this rookie deal for you know the next three years and then they have this restricted free agency and it's like dude it, like they have all of this cap space and or they have flex all this flexibility and they probably feel like oh well, we we got the five spot locked down so it's like man if you can hit on a guy that you're like man they, they got that spot locked down and it's a cheap contract it's kind of like it's kind of like in football, whatever. It's like the, the cool thing or the the best thing to do now is like, man, you get this rookie quarterback on the yeah. rookie deal, and now you have all this money elsewhere that you can like fill out the rest of the team, and that's like the way to do it before you have to pay the quarterback. That's the pro of this, of, you know, if, you, if they picked a player at 10 and he becomes, man, just after, by the end of year one, he's locked in as the starting four or the starting three, and you're like, man, that's, that's just not changing then that's a huge home run for the team because then you could spend money elsewhere. So I get that for sure. Yeah, like Josh Green and Jaden Hardy combined make below what you would pay for the taxpayer mid-level exception. So you're yeah. getting two players for the price of one. Uh, there's the graphic that's always thrown around on Twitter like to accuse the Mavs of being cheap. But going back to like 2017-18, 2018-19, the Mavs had a super low payroll, like bottom three payroll in the league. Is it because they're a cheap franchise or is it because they had Dennis Smith Jr., and Luca and Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba all on rookie contracts. Like um, that helps you bring your your payroll yeah. down. Yeah. So why I lean towards the towards the trading or at least like trading down is you know is talk you know wrote a, a great piece a while back talking about the percentages. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in that, but just the percentages uh, or the playing playing time for rookies in the playoffs and how, how it's just. You know, if we're projected to be like we want to be a playoff team, we want to be a quote win now team, making long runs, going for the title over the next year or so, then 
the odds or the percentages of this rookie or this young player playing a big role on a team like that, his piece detail, it's like, it, it's just not the norm right now. Mm. So that's the, that's the reason I look at it and say, man, this is our biggest asset that we have right now. Obviously I'll, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, how can we show Luca that we're adding players that's going to be, that can play 30 minutes a night in the playoffs right now. And some of you might look at it and say, yeah, there's some players there that on paper, yes, they could play in the playoffs, but the odds or the history just doesn't show that rookies step in and will play 35 minutes a night in the playoffs, you know, in, in year one, year two. And right now you want to be in the playoffs and making runs in this and second. The clock is ticking, man. The yeah. The clock is ticking. Now, so. the one downside of if you trade out completely, I know you had mentioned like trading down and getting a player. Yeah. It would take a, a a very good, I mean, you know, we can't mention names, but it's like it would take a very good, solid rotation piece for them, for I think, for them to like trade the 10th pick altogether. Like, yeah. If you do that, you're almost certainly going to have to trade at least one player along with that pick to make yeah. salaries match up and everything, in which case you're trading two or three players for one guy. And for a team, like you said, that has, you know, maybe multiple holes to fill, some of them you can patch up through free agency and through other means, but, um, if you're trading like, let's say, a high level rotation player on your team and the 10th pick just for a slightly higher level rotation player, you still have these other yeah. holes that you have to find other ways to fill. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, oh great, all right, so that's a great <laughs> take by me, let's go. I love it, I love it, okay. So enough with the theory, enough with the projection, let's talk about who actually could be on the board at 10. Yep. Now, I know on Locked On, y'all have been diving deep into some of these guys. Some of these guys you've already talked about. Some might be on the horizon. So if you don't want to tip your hand too no, much, you can just give us little bits. I love talking about um, But uh, let's, let's dive into some players. So first, I want to start with a guy that played college. It's kind of nearby in everyone's least favorite city in Texas, Houston, Jarris Walker. Uh, little information about Jarris Walker. 6'6", 7'2", wingspan, officially measured at the Combine. So that is... A plus eight wingspan. Holy guacamole. Let's go. Uh, 248, 34 and a half inch standing vert, 38 inch max vertical. So that mm. is a, that's a big boy, but he can jump. He can fly. Yeah. Played at IMG Academy, which is uh, Dwight Powell, Josh Green uh, down in Florida. Uh, I was looking at some of his high school stuff and, you know, one of the. <clears throat> one getting of the, choked up talking about, you just love him? <laughs> I just love Jerry. <laughs> you know, it's just a. Um, you know, you look at a guy like him, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Hendricks probably in a little bit, but as far as the differences of them and them ranked in, in high school, but Jairus Walker was 10th, 10th ranked overall ranked player by ESPN 100. He's a five-star recruit. But a cool thing about him is, you know, he has this, you know, this size, this ability to, you know, be this four, even probably like a small ball five in some settings in the NBA. But, you know, there were some injuries and stuff that happened at, at IMG that made him play point guard. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that made him, and so that's that why. Him with that playmaking. Yeah, and I mean, you always hear about the Anthony Davis, you know, stuff. It was like, oh, he grew, and, you know, he had to play point guard. But, like, he had to play point guard, Jairus did, in, at IMG at, at times. And that's where you see a guy, I think you can, you know, see a guy like him that's so – active that's so energy so defensive i mean his highlights on the defensive end are just incredible that you might not think you you might not think like can he handle the ball and it's like dude he can actually put the ball on the floor he can play make he can pass so that's that's a part of his thing his game that you know, it's not just a he's great in transition he's great at cutting but he can actually put the ball on the floor and make some passes and play make too, which is, you know, you look at a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith when, you know, Dorian was undrafted, but one of the first things that, you know, we're, his first area of improvement is he's got to work on dribbling. Like yeah. it was just to stay in the corner, shoot. And over his time here, we've seen him grow in that of pump fake, getting to the basket, dribbling, making a pass. Jairus is going to step in on day one and be able to pump fake, drive into the, you know, paying and, playmaking make the right pass so he's a special player i like him yeah um and one of the one of the benefits of being at the combine was getting to see just like how everyone carries himself but how mm. he in particular carries himself so they always say there's energy givers or energy drainers right and he yeah. is an energy giver and not like in the big goof off way like he was just hyping other people up clapping for guys whenever they were doing their drills dapping everybody up like just 
he seems like the kind of person that'll be really, really fun to be around. And can it's I, really, really fun to have on your team. Can I add to that? His senior year uh, of high school, he started in 23 out of 24 games. He didn't start that last game because he voluntarily took himself out of the starting lineup to let another senior start on senior night. Oh, that's awesome. There you go. That's all. See, like, that good dude. Just yeah. Good dude. You know. <laughs> yeah. Big thumbs up. Like that's just cool. That's that is cool. Now, does that mean anything on the basketball court? Yeah. Who knows? But hey, uh, chemistry matters. We saw it up close and personal with the Mavs last year yeah. compared to this year. You know, uh, chemistry matters a whole lot. Um, okay. Next guy. Oh, can I, can I oh, mention? Yeah, sorry. Are you a, are you an NBA comp guy? Um. I want to say no, but literally for my next guy, I do have a comp. So, okay, destroy this. I like doing, trying to do some comps. How how could he be an Aaron Gordon, Jarris Walker? Okay, I'm glad that you didn't say Draymond Green because uh, oh, that feels on, like the stop, easy one, no. but like Draymond is like a once in him. I know, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe it's like I a, man, a, they're built kind of the same. Aaron Gordon, I guess, a little taller. Yeah, but just like rambunctious, powerful defender. That can like, put the ball on the floor. Yeah, and do some that, stuff. And Aaron Gordon is a great cutter. Yeah. Jairus Walker is just like high IQ basketball player. Obviously, the, the, the thing with Walker is, do you believe in the shot? And, you know, that that's the type of thing of like, can do you believe in the catch-and-shoot shot? You start looking at some of his catch-and-shoot numbers and kind of average, good, whatever. But, yeah, like I wrote down Aaron Gordon. I wrote down Kaminga. Don't laugh. I wrote down like a a better version of Montrez Harrell, um, okay. like younger Harrell. But um, anyway, I was just trying to figure yeah. out some guys. Yeah, I mean, I think if 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 you're a team that drafts him, you're getting activity. You're getting like attitude in like a good way. Yeah. Um, and you're just getting like a smart basketball player. Yeah. And what what is he willing to mold himself into, and what are you willing to to pour into him? Yeah. Um, really intriguing guy. Um, next up, Taylor Hendricks. Now, I don't want to frame every single guy in a Dorian Finney-Smith context, but <laughs> whenever I watch Taylor Hendricks, whenever I read about Taylor Hendricks, whenever I, I see Taylor Hendricks with my own eyes, uh, and whenever I listen to other people talk about Taylor Hendricks, I always come back to this question. Is Taylor Hendricks, if Maxi Kleba was Dorian Finney-Smith? <laughs> let, me, let me give you a little information. I love okay. how that's the question you come back to. Yeah. It's the most <laughs> complicated question ever. No. Nope. <laughs> Taylor Hendricks, 6'8", 213. Okay. Dorian Finney-Smith, 6'7", 220. Kind of the same physicality, physical profile, okay. right? But Taylor Hendricks seems to do everything that Maxi does, but just in mm. Dorian Finney-Smith's body. Is that like a... I'm trying to localize it so that Mavs fans will under like be able to kind of get a yeah idea no that's of good guys. Yeah. but obviously like Taylor Hendricks might be drafted in the top ten Maxi was undrafted so they might be saying oh you're an idiot but like those are two undrafted guys yeah <laughs> but I'm trying to like yeah get no a, I get it I get it an idea is that yeah. like how off base is that no that, that's good I, especially for like Mavs fans that you can kind of see the the mold between the two guys um, you know you start looking at like some comps and stuff for him. At that, you know, six eight seven one wingspan, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm throwing out dudes like Robert Covington, um, John Isaac when he first came in, Pat Williams, um, a young Jeff Green. Um, I don't know. You know, I've seen names. You know, I wrote down. I was like, it's probably Siakam, Jeremy Grant's probably like a too too far mm. as far as like shot creation. You really have to improve. I yeah, think they're like the, twenty point per game. Yeah, scores. and I, I don't see Hendricks like being that. But a Jalen McDaniels, Pat Williams, can he be in that type of role um, or mold? I think so. Um, you know, my first question with Hendricks when I first started looking into him, I was like, all right, top 10 draft pick, why did he go to UCF? Um, because a lot of times, not that UCF is a small school, it's actually a pretty bigger school, but it's like, you know, a lot of times when you see prospects that come from these non um blue blood schools it's a oh they've been in school for like three or four years and they kind of grew into that player mm. he's a freshman and it's like all right you went to ucf and now you're probably going to be a top 10 draft pick so i started trying to look into it more and it's like he wasn't really he was a 54th ranked recruit out of high school you know on on espn didn't make the mcdonald's all-american game but he's from fort lauderdale which is like three hours away from ucf but he plays at ucf with his twin brother 
Mm. So has to be some type of family connection. He wanted to play with his brother and all of that. Um, yeah, he actually won a state title with Scotty Barnes, too, uh, in Florida. But his catch-and-shoot stop, stuff, I mean, what you want on paper for a forward like him for his measurements at the 6'8", 7'1", wingspan, and his number is like, what, 39%, 40% from three Very last good, year? yeah, and almost two blocks a game. Yeah, and, dude, his highlights of, like, defending the paint, I no love fear. the dudes. And that's where this is where the maxi stuff comes in. It's like, yes, maxi ended up on a Clippers hoodie mm. for getting dunked on. But man, there's, I mean, we could make, we could supply the whole hangar for Ma, you know, for maxi blocks at the rim if we wanted yeah. to do that. You got to be able, you got to be willing to get dunked on to have the awesome blocks. And he has so many things. There's a, a Memphis breakaway. There was a Florida breakaway that it's just one-on-one. And Hendrick said, I'm, I'm going up for this. I'm going to block your dunk. Yeah, and it's like in those situations where, hey, it's you or me, pal. Like, I yeah. want the guy that's willing to risk it all yeah you know? like yeah. Oh, i want the guy that's willing to shoot a shot it's like yeah cool you might get dunked on on twitter you know if you get dunked on but man he, he's willing to challenge it and i love that i love his motor i love everything uh with that and so he's not going to be like initiating offense he's not going to be you know saying clear out taylor Hendricks has got it but for teams that are looking for a three and d big guy six eight seven one wingspan that can knock down the open shot hendrix seems like yeah, a great addition. Yeah, now if, if you out there are thinking, why would a team want to use a top 10 pick on a guy that can't initiate and can't maybe be a 20-point-per-game scorer and might just be a 3-and-D guy, uh, look around at the teams that are still in the playoffs. They are all loaded with players like that. Yep. So um, you might not be an all-star, but you might be a winning player. Yeah. You know. Um, okay, next, a guy that might not I mean, he has got the, the tools to put up all-star caliber numbers, I think far as playmaking, rebounding, defending goes, Anthony Black from shout out Katia, Coppell, Texas. Let's go. Ended up uh, transferring to Duncanville. Uh, how about Keontae George in there from Louisville as well? Before also, I think he ended up transferring to IMG eventually by the end of his high school as well. Yeah, but uh, from LHS, go Farmers. But uh, Anthony Black, <laughs> 39 inch Max Vert. The dude is a. Freakazoid athlete. I love this guy. Yeah. Uh, big hair, big personality. Another guy that was just fun to watch exist at the Combine. Smile on his face, clapping for everybody. Seems to be like this uplifting, kind of like galvanizing, like let's go do it and have fun and win, guys, kind of player. And also sort of plays that way. Yeah. High-level playmaker, high-level passer, high-level defender, a lot of steals. Like is good at – is kind of just good at everything. Yeah. He was a receiver. He was a three-star receiver in football. Received offers from Texas, Arkansas, and Baylor. Um, are, are we allowed to talk about like other teams' fits with prospects? Uh, sure. Don't it, get mad at us, Adam. Here's here's a here's a hottest take I got. Okay. If I was Houston, I would entertain Anthony Black. Wow. Okay. Over one of the Thompson, I, I'm just I'm a really big believer in Anthony Black. I love guys who can who have the feel for a game like him, at his size, the big a huge point guard. I think he's one of the best wing defenders in the draft. Um, everything for him hinges on the shot. You get that. Um, I was just listening to uh, Gavoni, Jonathan Gavoni on Woj's pod this morning, and he was talking about Anthony Black's pro day, and he's like, it's very clear that he is working so hard on the shot. Yeah, there's that clip of him in Chicago working with Steph's. Yeah, and and he's and Gavoni was talking about. He's like, that's the biggest question for him. And you know, pro day doesn't tell anything. He said, but dude is knocking out shot after shot at a pro day, and even the mechanics look a little different so far. And like he's working on a lot and all that. But I mean, he is the he's the definition also of a of a connector. Of if you are a young team, if I was a young team out there and I was looking for a guy that could just make everything work on my team, like watching him play at Arkansas, which was quietly a sneaky like. Good like pro pro scout team, you know, with, with Nick Smith team. and Jordan Walsh, and I think there's one other Ricky guy. Council too, yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, so it is a fun team. But he rebounds. Um, he's a connector. He was listed as a number one point guard on you know 24/7, 24 seven, yeah, twenty four seven sports. But everything for him is the is the is the shot stuff. But I'm a big believer in him. I think we're gonna look at it after the fact and say, man, he was at his size. You look at doing the NBA comp thing. It's unfortunate what has happened to Alonzo, but you look at a guy like Alonzo Ball, I look at like a Josh Giddy, I look at a, um, a, a Sean Livingston back in the day, uh, but it's more of that Lonzo mold mm -hmm. of what, and even Lonzo's shot improved once he got into the league. 
Um, yeah, I like Anthony Black. Yeah, the thing that sets those guys apart, though, from a player like Evan Turner, who had a lot of those same mm. skill sets, playmaking ability, you know, it, it, uh, not the quickest guy in the world, but could still you know, defend and score and do all that stuff, is the outside shot. Yeah. You know, you have to be able to develop that. Um, Bill Duffy only client. Bill Duffy client, yeah. He is super young. I think he barely just turned 19. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of time to develop. But very nice guy. So nice, in fact, that during his little media availability, you know, uh, random people can just go up to you and say, like, hey, tell me about your day. <laughs> you know, uh, they're just sitting there captive, you know, for X amount of time. And somebody started asking him about, um, you know, have you met with, I think someone, was, Josh Robbins of The Athletic was asking, have you met with the Wizards? And he was like, yeah, like tomorrow or the next day, I don't remember, but I'm also meeting with like the so-and-so and, the, and he like couldn't remember. And he was like, actually, give me a second. He pulled out his schedule for the whole week and was like, I'm meeting with so-and-so, so-and-so, a lot of da 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 The whole, he gave us the whole All list. the blogs yeah. freaked out like, yes. Yeah, yeah, content. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, Josh was like, you know, he's been doing it for a long time. He's like, you were the first prospect I've ever talked to that has given me your whole list, so <laughs> God bless you. And he was like, yeah, it's no problem, man. Just like, just it seems like just a, another, just good dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big fan. Yeah. Um, okay. Another Dallas guy. How about this? Up next, Cason Wallace from Kentucky. Uh, got the home connection with you. Got the home connection with me. Um, although not from Louisville, sadly. Cason uh, was, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was a uh, Richardson High School guy. I'm, he was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I went to college in, in Richardson, all right? So it's like <laughs> we're pretty much like, hey, man, let's be best friends. Um, I don't want to necessarily frame your take, but is – he the best perimeter defender in the draft. Is that kind of his thing? It's definitely his thing. Best. I mean, I think he's just, yeah. I think he's up. I'd need to watch some some more players. Obviously, I was really, I'm really hot in Anthony Black's perimeter defense. Um, but what Kaysen Wallace does, I mean, going back to Rafael Barlow, Rafael calls him the mini Kawhi. And wow. that he could be a mini Kawhi type of guy in the league, that he's he's that good. Uh, defensively and you know he's small that's why I want to ask you like how did he look at the combat because he's like 6'2 right yeah he did a lot of his drills with uh, Jarris I think they listed him I think he measured at a little taller than that let me pull it up I want to say he's 6'4 he's he's 2022 Texas Gatorade player of the year he's Dallas Morning News's player of the year Um, he's 20th ranked recruit uh, by on ESPN Um, Uh, 6'2 and a half with no shoes okay 6'8 and a half wingspan though yeah, it's not nice. bad. Are you believing in his defense? I, I mean, I am. I, I think, you know, um, David Locke is, like, huge fan of him <laughs> um, as far as uh, being a target for a team out west. And um, they, That's the thing, though. They have a lot of guards. I don't know. But. Sexton and Clark, although Clarkson's free agent. I mean, who knows? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. yeah I, and that's like the... I think that if if you're really good at defending guards and with a 6-8 wingspan you can switch and guard up too but like if you're really really good at defending guards that's a very useful skill because like somebody has to guard Dame Lillard yeah. someone's got to guard Steph you know someone's got to guard Fox and like you're quick like that and long that's really really valuable um, especially if you are a team that needs help defending at the point of attack to protect your back line yeah. um, a lot of teams that need that help yeah but the thing is like Davion Mitchell plays on a team with De'Aaron Fox and doesn't start because he's on a team with De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. So it's like, can you be good enough on offense? It's kind of like, are you on a team that doesn't have like an all-star, all-NBA caliber point guard already? And can you be good enough on offense to be that starter? Or are you going to be this like 20 to 25 minutes per game rotation player off the bench? Because if you're going to be that, are you worth taking in the top 10? So I feel like he's like a broad range of outcomes kind yeah. of player because like I see people that cover the Spurs, for example, say like the Spurs should trade in and take him because, yeah. you know, Trey Jones is their point guard. And, you know, he'd um, be fun with Wemby. Yeah. But then other teams that maybe have a point guard entrenched already, it's like how valuable is an excellent point guard defender to a team that already has a point guard. Yeah. So it's, it's, he's really interesting, but he's another really, really nice guy. Yeah. And his, um, you know, I, th- I think his shooting numbers were a little confusing. I, I really like his shot. You know, some guys have shoot bad shooting numbers or whatever. I'm not saying his numbers were bad. but Not a ton of 
spacing on that Kentucky team. Though. No, no, no. And that's another thing I wrote down on here. And if you if you want to lean into this narrative about Kentucky guards being better in the NBA, yeah, um, you know, you can go across the board looking at the history there. Um, so uh, Kentucky had some like fun facts about him. Okay. Uh, on their player profile of him, can I give you a few of them? Yeah. So his favorite, I love fun facts. His favorite former Wildcat was <laughs> was SGA. He loves playing Pokemon Go. <gasps> I'm just kidding. Just oh my kidding. god. Just kidding. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I just had to get one. Um, <clears throat> he graduated with honors. I don't love fun facts anymore. <laughs> his favorite TV show, SpongeBob. Is that a joke or is that true? That's true. All right, cool. Basically. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, he volunteered as a youth tutor and a basketball coach. His favorite food was chicken and shrimp Alfredo. Together? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. That is kind of weird. I don't do seafood, so. I don't think I've ever seen a restaurant offer chicken and shrimp Alfredo together. But maybe it's like he can't just choose one or the other, so he likes chicken Alfredo and shrimp Alfredo. Maybe. If you mix it together, that is kind of weird to me. I thought this was impressive because I'm assuming he wasn't 6'2 then. He dunked for the first time in eighth grade. Whoa. Yeah, you wow. know, for a, a smaller guy. Yeah, let or, me see. Uh, let me stall for a couple seconds and find what his max vert was. The last thing for him is he can play the saxophone and the piano. That is really cool. That yeah. is actually that is legit really cool. Thirty six inch max vert. Oh, not bad. All right. Uh, you know another guy that could play the saxophone, Harrison Barnes. Ooh. Remember he was in the NBA talent show and he nice. played uh, <laughs> All of Me by John Legend on the saxophone. Yeah, I do. I appreciate people that can play instruments and then invest yeah. time in music. So, Like Rick Carlisle. Yes, I appreciate Rick Carlisle. And he can play the piano. Yep. Who's the next prospect? Uh, okay, so uh, <laughs> last up on our list. So we can't talk about every player because, first off, uh, we don't have that much time. And also, my takes aren't that good. They don't run that deep. Uh, yet, at least. I will be doing a lot of deep dive stuff, probably yes. on Twitch, yes, uh, approaching the draft. But... Um, uh, last player on our list, Grady Dick out of Kansas. Um, it's kind of similar to Casey Wallace. I'm going to ask you a question: Is Grady Dick the best shooter in the draft? Oh yeah, I think he's. I think he's right up there. His release point, like, is it looks funky when you first see it, but then when you see it like at a slow mo or like close up, and you're like, all right. Dude, he was yeah. absolute money on all the movement stuff, all the catch and shoot, all the free throws. I'll tell you a fun, absolutely uh, stroke a fun thing to watch. Anthony Black has a YouTube channel he just started. Oh, and yeah? he it's like the day in the life of Anthony Black. But him and Grady Dick are both Bill Duffy clients. And it was like a day in the life for both of these guys. And you kind of have both both their personalities. And they go to like a carnival fair and, and they're like working out. And anyway. Some you, IRL content. Yeah, very, you should, very nice. You should watch that and see these two guys. And it's it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, um, he can shoot, and he's big too. I mean, six six with no shoes, so with shoes on, six seven, six eight, six eight, six nine wingspan. Um, did everything. I probably the highest rated player to participate in everything. He didn't do the scrimmages. Scrimmages are more for the guy, like the five v five is more for yeah. like second round players. But he did all of the measurements, all of the agility drills. He did four on four, three on three, the whole thing, uh, which which impressed some people. But. Um, Kind of similar to to Case and Wallace, I think it's like, not that not that either of these guys are specialists because they can obviously do other things. Yeah. But like, whenever you have one like premier NBA skill, it's kind of like the team that is probably going to draft you is going to draft you because of that skill. Yeah. Um, they're gonna like rank you highly because we need shooting or because we need perimeter defense, um, especially at the point of attack or especially on guards. And so I think that's kind of the. Um, you know, depending on who you look and, and who you whose mocks you believe and whose mocks you trust and stuff, I think you look around like guys like Walker, Hendricks, Black are generally being mocked like in the top six, top eight, top nine. And then there's like that sort of next kind of tier where Wallace, Dick and some other guys are consistently beneath that because maybe they're really good at like one thing as opposed yeah. to like three things. Yeah, but it's still very valuable to be a really good shooter. I was say, for lack of a better term, it's like, hey, you got the defense of Wallace, you got the shooting of Grady Dick, and it's like, you know, all of that. But um, went to Kansas, two-time Gatorade Player of the Year in Kansas. Uh, his mom played at Iowa State, uh, and she played professional basketball. Here you go. He likes TikTok, shocker. Okay. Horror movies and fishing. Wow, sweet combo. Yeah. Um, but no, I think for for a guy like not that, a I mean, big horror movie guy. No, I'm not either. But yeah. For 
shooting when you can shoot like him i think it immediately raises your floor and like your longevity in the league of like if you can shoot like that at his size uh, i look at a guy i wrote down uh, like a cam johnson you know for him okay cam might be a little bit bigger than him um but you know he has a he's six six grady dick is with a six nine wingspan with that you're not once again kind of like the taylor hendrick stuff like you're not getting initiation you're not running you know saying spread it out for you know and uh for grady there and uh but yeah i think he's gonna he hustles that i like that a lot about him yep. he hustles and he tries a lot on defense uh, defense is you know one of the things he's probably got to improve a little bit more on but had some big dunks too yeah in school so athletic because like you think one of the comps i've seen is like boyan yeah boyan isn't like Bowen's not a high flyer, you know. Like yeah. Grady Dick can put the ball on the floor and get to the basket and do some stuff, yeah. you know. And at six six, you got the size and you got the reach to be able to do that. Um, but I, I don't really know, like, uh, without getting too lazy with it. <laughs> there's like the more Bowen is more of like a creator for himself and for others. You got like McBuckets that's like flying around screens. So like, if you're like this wing specialist shooter, this like three four kind of guy are you a standstill guy can you create can you run around screens like what can you do yeah um and then does your team have like that that need for that but there's a lot of t- like okc for example can definitely use some shooting there's a lot of yeah. teams around oh, the maps yeah. the magic can definitely use some shooting Orlando, yeah really even if the maps i think finished top 10 and three point percentage last year every team can use more shooting oh yeah um so there's like that's why if you're only ever going to be good at shooting it's a pretty good thing to be good at oh yeah um okay i'm sure we missed your favorite player uh if we did leave us a comment below yes. with with your thoughts on uh, on that guy yeah who who do you think the map should take or do you think the map should trade out entirely we kind of talked about it but um in closing here playoff takeaways now to peel back the fourth curtain a little bit we don't really do a lot of pre-pro around here in mm-hmm. studio 41 it's usually just um i text isaac and say hey what do you want to talk about Isaac will have a couple ideas. I'll have a couple ideas. Boom. Put it together. Oh, we got a great show. Here we go. You just said playoff takeaways. Yeah. And so I'm sure you've got plenty. What, 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 are, what are you thinking about playoff takeaways? <laughs> I, don't have, I, I mean, have some too, yeah. but like, what is the, what was the, what was the genesis of, of that as a talking point? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I have like, Hey, 15 takeaways from, you know, for the Mavs in the playoffs, but it's more of like looking at some of these, the final four teams, it's hard to use Miami for anything because like anything that you would like project for a team, you kind of got to like throw it out the window of like regular season into like this playoff run for them. Even like their three point percentage and like all the boot and stuff. It just doesn't make sense. They got really, really, really hot. Kind of like the Mavs did like shooting 43% from three. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like kind of like an anomaly that, but, but I do think you can look at like a team like Denver and look at the guys that they put around Jokic. I think you can look at how they even <clears throat> the system that they play around Jokic. How I think there is a lot of similarities that Luka can look at how Jokic runs, you know, runs that team. I know different positions, point guard, big, but but in the half court, it, you can kind of find some similarities in that of Jokic picking his spots of when to like, all right, I got this. Like I'm gonna go do my thing how Jokic paces himself throughout the game, how he, um, you know, obviously has a Jamal Murray, but how he keeps um, trying to like dance around this, but just how I I think there's ways that there are quarters where he doesn't take a shot. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's ways that Luka can look how Jokic plays with those guys and incorporate it in Dallas. And I think there's ways Dallas can look at the roster construction in Denver and say, how can we, you know, do that here? I think the big, um, so I've seen people talk about this on Reddit and obviously podcasts and stuff too, is like the differences between the Nuggets offense and the Mavs offense. Both revolve around these big time playmakers. Yeah. But the Nuggets, they have way more cutting. They have way more off-ball movement. Part of that is personnel. Guys like Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, KCP, and even like Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, these guys are all excellent off-ball movers. Yeah. Um, even Christian Brown. Yeah, yeah, Christian Brown move. too. Yeah. Um, part of the reason like why that works so much is because Jokic is generally the guy that is setting the screen. So like Jamal Murray is coming off the screen and trying to do stuff. And if nothing's there, he'll kick it out to Jokic. And then the defense all of a sudden has to reset. And during that reset process, Aaron Gordon's like, Oh, my guy's paying attention to you. I'm just going to go to the basket and hit me. Luca, uh, by contrast is the Jamal Murray way more often than he's the Jokic. Mm. 
And I think that's where, like, some fans that are like, if, if Luka and Kyrie are going to be the thing moving forward, like, have Kyrie handle the ball and have Luka set the screen because the defense is going to react to the first thing, yeah. and then Luka gets the ball, and now they got to react to that next. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm way more interested in seeing Luka screen for Kyrie than vice versa. Yeah. Um, because when Luka is the guy handling the ball, he wants his player in the corner, he wants his player in the corner, and you can see it, too. Like... <laughs> He literally will like shout at a guy like get there, like no, <laughs> yeah. get out, like get the like he wants the court set up because when he begins to break down the defense and sometimes it takes a little bit to do that, but he wants to know I can count on you being there because I'm going to be looking over here with seven guys in my face and I need to be able to make this incredible pass to you wide open. He doesn't necessarily want guys cutting unexpectedly, whereas Jokic I think has that. Um, is able to use that vision and like anticipate those cuts because he is like the outlet. He's like the safety valve. He's yeah. not like the guy steering the whole thing. No, that's good. Yeah. That, that's my biggest takeaway was what Denver uh, is looking at. I mean, you could look at some of the roster stuff with, um, with Boston and just how, I mean, I feel like they've, they added Brogdon, but they've had this team basically last year. I, wrote, I actually wrote down Derek white for a case in Wallace. Um, Ooh, okay. I like that. Uh, guy, Similar but, size too, right? Yeah. Yeah. But just having those, it goes into honestly what Riccardi told you guys of all the description of what he said. You look at some of these teams like a Boston, Denver, and it's like, all right. I mean, once again, Miami finding the Gabe Vincents and Caleb Martins and making these guys Max Struess, and it's like making those guys work. But you got to have these wings. You got to have these wings. Even looking at the Lakers that they made their run. And it's like look at the look at the guys who like really stood out for them on that run. The Austin Reeves, the Ruiz, these these wings that made a difference for them. Mm, yeah, you need as many guys as possible that can do something with the ball on offense, but that can also not have a giant target on their face on yeah. defense too. You know, yeah. that's really tough to find. Um, shout out to continuity. That's one of my big takeaways. The other one though, back to the Nuggets, is. The Nuggets have a lot of guys that everyone's heard of. Uh, they got a lot of guys that were taken very highly in the draft, but almost all of them have had to reinvent themselves um, or at least buy into doing things that they might not have wanted to do whenever they got to Denver or that they still might not want to be doing. Like you think back to Aaron Gordon whenever he was in Orlando, he That's was kind of like the featured player. Like he was like almost their Blake Griffin more than he was like this high level defender off-ball cutter, kind of like like almost like Sean Marion. You know, yeah. there's a big difference between being Blake Griffin and Sean Marion. Um, Michael Porter Jr., like his uh, his father, I think, quote tweeted someone recently and talked about how like you know, in, in, you know, juniors had to buy into defense, had to buy into rebounding, he's had to buy into moving the ball. Like Michael Porter Jr. is a bona fide scorer who could probably on a different team average 20 a game or maybe even more. Yeah. You know, if if the volume was there. But on the Nuggets, like, he's buying into not even closing games at times. Like, he's sitting on the bench watching while, like, Bruce Brown is taking his minutes. And the same could be said for guys like Bruce Brown and KCP, really buying into just being defense and playing off of Jokic and Murray and Porter. Like, are you okay with being the fifth guy, the fifth option on offense? Yeah. Not many people are. And so, um, you know, part of the reason their hierarchy works is because they have players as good as Jokic and Murray running the show. But also part of the reason their hierarchy work is because they have guys that are willing to be stars in their role. Aaron Gordon is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Michael Porter Jr. has become an excellent spot-up shooter. Bruce Brown, KCP, great off-ball movers, great catch-and-shoot players, great guys that can attack drives, attack closeouts, just do simple things, but they do them super-duper ultra-well. And also look at a couple of the guys in the locker room for them. I know we're focusing on Denver here, but they're in the finals you know, yeah. for a reason, but... DeAndre Jordan, Jeff Green, been in the league 14 years. Even like an Ish Smith, 12 years in the league. It's like having veterans like that in the in the locker room. And Jeff Green actually, you know, plays this stuff at times. I don't think DeAndre plays as much. But mm. even like Reggie Jackson, I think he's at like 11 or 12 years. Yeah, you know, and he's DNP. Like he took yeah. a buyout to go there and yeah. has not played like hardly at all. Yeah. So it's like I, I think you can look at that too and say – I haven't, you know, I've read different stories about Denver, but I bet if you set down a lot of these guys that play all the time and say, hey, tell me the impact that Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, Ish Smith, these guys that's been in, in the league 12 to 14 years have had on this team, I 
I would guarantee they'd probably rave. I mean, you hear stories about Uncle Jeff and stuff a lot, but what just it's he he freaks me out. I want to understand how he throws down dunks that he does, and he's like thirty seven, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. And um, but I think that's something I look at it too, and it's like, man, those end of the bench, but Jeff still plays at the times like guys. They matter to teams. Yeah, and I mean, they've been, in some of their games, they're playing like a seven-man rotation, but in some of their games, they're playing 10. So yeah. it goes back to like the stay-ready thing. You know, Jeff yeah. Green, you're 36. Are you? Can you come into the game and contribute right now or, <laughs> yeah. or like not? You know, you got to stay ready to do that. So um, in my opinion, they are a pretty compelling team, but that is just my opinion. It's hard right? for some people to talk about them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, last takeaway that I wrote down, big playmakers – you know, seven <laughs> thumbs up. Um, Jokic, LeBron, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. These are essentially their team's point guards. You know, yeah. Jamal Murray, yeah, but even he is like six three, six four. Um, the more size, the better. But you 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 have to, and this has been true for a long time, but you have to have some sort of size that is able to make plays to where you can punish mismatches, to where you can create them and then punish them. And good coaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not – I don't think it is an anomaly that Spolstra is back in this – you know, obviously they've lost the last two games. But, I mean, some of the stuff that Spo pulls out that – I mean, they play zone defense and stuff a lot. It's yeah. like – you know, there used to be like a gimmick that yeah. you would like – we would laugh <laughs> at. And then, um, But he makes it work. And some of his adjustments and it, it, for people who stand on the corner sometimes and shouts that – Ah, uh, coaching really doesn't matter that much. It's just the players. There's more of a balance than, I mean, for guys like Spo, it it matters a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So moving forward, uh, who do you, I guess you chose. We did a little Studio 41 pick em, uh a little while ago. Now, I'm pulling it up right now. Katia chose the Nuggets. So that is like the rooting interest of, of Katia and also for me too, by extension, yeah. because I chose like the Suns, the Bucks, the Clippers. Uh, so I'm having a really bad time. I chose one team that won a series. Uh, <laughs> you've got like everybody else. Katia only has the Nuggets. But then she took like the Thunder, the Mavs. Kings. I think she took the Kings. Yeah. So Katia has one team that won a series, but they're in the finals. Yeah. And uh, they should win it. You have the Celtics. And the Heat, yeah. And I think uh, no, none of us took the Lakers, nah. but you've got like a really good chance to win the whole thing. So, are you pulling for nah. the the team that comes out of the East? Or are you pulling nah. for Denver? No, pulling for Denver all day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, we did our fantasy draft and you know drafted teams we wanted, you know, who we thought would make it far. Um, yes, once Dallas was out of this, I was rooting for Denver at that point. <laughs> yeah, it would be cool to see him get it. I like, yeah. I like teams. Hashtag I appreciate discourse. greatness, but I also like teams that, you know, have never won it before. Yeah, and I, I do. I, I love the the player who, you know, the, the guy in the league that the Giannis, the Jokic, the, the guys who have, you know, ha, have the individual accolades that for the sake of discourse, you know, immediately becomes, well, have they won a title? <laughs> and it's like, they have to have that to solidify their greatness in the league. Mm. And I would love to see Jokic just get over that hump. And uh, I'd love to see Jimmy Butler get over that hump too. I know I it's, would too, it's not yeah. cool to root for yeah. the, uh, the heat around here, you know, in, no. in Mavsville. But. but Jimmy Butler makes that very difficult to, to I mean, it does he, does he have the highest approval rating of like, he's got to man. anybody outside like, of Boston. I don't know anybody who dislikes Jimmy Butler. I love that guy. Yeah. And, so, and, and yeah, and I like a lot of those guys on that team, Bam, and it's unfortunate because the history of the Heat with, you yeah. know, with but the That's Mavs. all over. No one, I mean, Udonis Haslam is still there, but otherwise, and Spolstra and Riley, I guess, but, like, yeah, is there a Mavs fan that's like, man, I just can't stand that Eric Spolstra. <laughs> no, you know? he can't. Or like, like, Pat Riley's just annoying. <laughs> you know, like, who cares? Get over it. Pat Riley is kind of, no. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, that's, that's what I'm, I'm pulling for a Nuggets Heat final, and then from there, may the best team win. But I'm, I'm kind of slightly leaning Nuggets, I think. It would just be cool to see a yeah. team full of vets do it. Yeah. You know? And they've kept trying and kept, like, tweaking and adding, but they've, they haven't, like, fired their coach. They haven't traded Jokic. They haven't, you know, they hung on to Murray despite the injuries and all yeah, that stuff. Like, that they just kept cool trying. Too. Yeah, they kept trying. So Bones I, Highland I like, get a ring? I bet he, he qualifies. <laughs> Shout out to Mavs, great DeAndre Jordan, who could. Yeah, and he hasn't won one. I I don't think anyone on their team has won a ring, right? 
Wow, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So that's that's a I guess little. Reggie Jackson's been to the finals. Like OKC, or is that before him? I'm, I think that was before him. I'm, I honestly okay. don't know. I would need to go back and look. Huh. But I know he hasn't won one. I wonder how many people on that team has been to the finals. Maybe none. <laughs> Jeff Green <laughs> has. I guess he wasn't. A... Or was it? No, that was Perkins. Perkins was he on was Boston. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah Jeff Green. They, that's what ended their dynasty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll do some research and hit you up next time. But um, like we said, we got more draft coverage coming to you from Studio 41. We got a whole bunch of stuff for draft 2023 presented by Choctaw. We're going to be doing uh, more pods. We're going to be doing some streams. We're going to be doing a draft show on draft night. So look out for more details for that. To find that information, follow at Studio 41 especially on Twitter. Uh, do it on Instagram if you want. Also follow Isaac. Uh, follow Chopper and Katya too. No, uh, Katya says no. Don't follow Chopper. Do you want it to be followed? Chopper shrugged. Maybe yeah. follow Chopper, uh, but definitely follow at Mavs Studio Forty One. Isaac, any plugs before we get out of here? I mean, locked on Mavs every day, talking draft, heading up into the draft. What's like the next big? Uh, what's the next play? Because y'all do a, like a couple players a week. What's it, what's the next player coming out? I next think we're week? doing Jarris Walker, like an extended profile on him coming up on Monday. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So tune into that and uh, enjoy your long weekend. Uh, if you're in America, I guess if you're anywhere else in the world, <laughs> enjoy your regularly sized weekend, and uh, we'll see you later. <laughs>